0: Welcome back to P.S. Voice. Today, Bill Emmett, former editor-in-chief of The Economist, discusses identity politics, corporate power, and his new book, The Fate of the West. This first section is on the main thesis of his book.
1: In this book, I mean, excellent book, I really enjoyed reading it. When you define the West, you're talking about openness. And equality. Well, what exactly do you mean by openness, equality, in the context of the West?
2: What I mean by openness and equality is the running of, a, of an economy and a society in a way, first of all, that is open to new ideas, so that there are uh, it's a free market, that there are liberal educational institutions, that you have freedom of information in uh, the media and in and freedom of expression in the society, that. is a society that is open to new scientific discoveries, but especially to meritocracy, to new elites. Equality is important as a political equality, a sense of participation of all citizens in society, equal political rights, what the Greeks called isonomia, Mm -hmm. uh, the equal voice, whatever you are in society. So this is basically what we mean by a proper democracy with institutions to protect that sense of equality, particularly the rule of law mm. to
3: protect equality, the openness is what has varied more over time. I'm interested in look in, in how the impact of the financial crisis has has manifested itself in different countries. In Ireland, the case there was a huge financial crisis, mm. um, but the sort of the, there has been less of a of a populist backlash, particularly against the there's been less of a backlash against the financial sector than in other countries such as Italy where the backlash has been uh, more, I guess, against uh, the longer running problems such as the the single currency and the EU in general.
2: Well, I'd say, I mean, in response to that, I'd say yes. uh, The populism is about backlash. It's about um, the failure of success of policies to succeed and to deliver, especially, the results that people have come to expect, sometimes because people suffered, sometimes because their expectations (laughs) were continuing to rise and were disappointed. But nevertheless, it's a backlash against that. So then the question is, in different countries, how the backlash uh, works out. Uh, In Spain, I think, would also be another case where, as in Ireland, there was a huge property crash. Uh, There was a strong backlash against the banks, and I would disagree with you, I think there was a strong backlash against the banks in Ireland too, but there hasn't been uh, uh, the rise of a new movement, a Front National, um, an alternative for Ireland uh, kind of party, nor a a strong anti-Euro party in Ireland, and uh, Mm. in in Spain it's been limited to Podemos, to the left which was significant but not
1: overwhelming. Let me bring Christopher. Populism has uh, I, I is like a feature to, and it, that's yeah. happened, I think, you know, in the last uh, five I've, to ten years in in Austria. Uh,
4: longer than that, mm. we have been in a certain way shameful for runners of, of that evolution because Everybody remembers your qaeda whose yeah, yeah, uh, career exactly. started, I'd say, in the mid-80s, yeah? uh, mm. who was a populist avant la lettre, uh, yeah, something yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, but st- and s- still the, the populist impact in
1: Austria is very, very strong. Is the feature for Austria, is it reaction to the banking crisis, the, the global financial crash, or mo- much more immigration? Immigration, I'd yeah. say. Immigration—that
4: was the big topic. We got a lot of immigrants in two thousand fifteen. Uh, people didn't know what uh, Miss Merkel planned, and the Austrian uh, politicians—they made uh, some sort of—they of, uh, copied the, 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 the politics of, of, uh, of Merkel before. Yeah. yeah,
2: and the same thing really has happened in Switzerland. So Switzerland, you know, yeah. quintessentially yeah. successful, wealthy country, yeah. sailed through the financial crisis in many ways, but. The Swiss People's Party is a very powerful party because mm-hmm. of immigration. Now 25% of, yeah. the, of the yeah. people in Switzerland are foreign born. So yes. you
1: can have different triggers for populism.
2: Yeah. Populism is just a method. It's not, a, well, it's not an argue, ideology. And you
1: argue in the book, Bill, yes. that you know, at a certain point you get a turnaround.
2: I argue in the book that uh, people can produce a turnaround, Yeah. Uh, that, 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 uh, that there, there can be a turnaround, but I don't argue that it's inevitable. Uh, I think that uh, we can sink in a Mm. uh, nationalist direction as we did in previous eras, of course, in Mm. the 1920s and 1930s, Mm. I think in a more severe environment, Mm. in a more severe situation then. But uh, clearly we could go spiraling in a downward direction and I think a Le Pen presidency in France would uh, risk that precisely that spiraling down that would be very difficult to turn around within 15 to 20 years. So it's all very well. I can say in the long run, there'll be a turnaround. But Kane said in the long run, we're all dead in the 1930s (laughs) and for the same reason.
3: Do you think there is uh, a need to have a bit of rebalancing from the openness in terms of immigration to those feelings of belonging uh, and identity that have clearly been expressed in, uh, particularly in the Brexit uh, EU referendum in Britain, but also more widely in Europe and in, arguably, in America.
2: Well, um, I mean, I do. Th- I th- I think that um, immigration policy has always had to be sensitive to the conditions at the time, and uh, and I do think that there's always been a case for slowing down the speed of immigration, which means the volume of immigration at certain times. Uh, so, although you know, in principle, I would say. Uh, bring me your huddled masses yearning to be, breathe free, mm. but in practice you'd say, well, bring me your huddled masses, but could you come tomorrow um, when we're in a stronger position to to, to exploit you, if in a, in a sense, or at least to give you a, a new opportunity. I don't think that the right answer is to turn off completely. Mm. But arguing, as people like me sometimes do, say, look, we need immigration because we're all getting older. It's not a very good argument at a time when you've got 10-15% unemployment and you've got people who've lost uh, income steadily over the previous 10 years. Christoph, do you you have a question
4: for Bill? Uh, Yeah, I would uh, like to ask you if the concept of cultural difference does make sense to you uh, in the framework we are talking right now, um, how different people react on the, in different situations. And for example, if you compare, uh, we've been talking about France right now and uh, I mean the very concepts of, of what state should do uh, of, on how labour market works is very different from the Anglo-Saxon model. Yeah? So does it make sense to you to, to talk of uh, cultural differences?
2: I I guess my point of view is that culture may often be the wrong word for it, but but certainly uh, the politics, the social reaction to things is very different in different places, Mm -hmm. and so I think that cultures change, but they often change slowly. So, uh, yes, let's say, look at Italy. Italy, since the early 1970s, has had, if you like, a culture of total job protection. Um, before 1970, it had no culture of total job protection. So, is this a cultural issue, or is it, as it were, the, the outcome of a certain political clash that then produced victory that then people want to, don't want to let go of? Uh, mm-hmm. And so, I think often what we call cultural uh, reasons are, if you like, kind of rigidities in, that are genuinely in people's hearts because they are value, valued, but they are not forever.
0: So I do
1: think cultures cultures can change.
0: Next, we have Trump's America.
1: The Trump victory in America, was it a form of American culture that led to his electoral victory, which, after all, astounded the pollsters?
2: I think the pollsters uh, often were right about his strength, but the commentators dismissed it. I think Mm. the interpretation of the polls was often Mm. wrong in America. Mm. Uh, Why? Because I think that that the, the... kick the bastards out principle yeah, yeah. Um, was underrated and the sense that a new, a new kind of a messiah figure could come and represent it. Now after or, all, and yeah. one of the problems was that actually there was a sort of reverse prejudice about yeah. it, that 2008 Obama mm. was the one who surprised and yeah. he was the complete outsider, no experience, true, true. no complete outsider, yeah. but um, he was the first like sign of a kind of popular backlash I yeah. would say against the establishment. So then eight years later, his, his, as it were, opposite in many ways, Trump, basically did the, pulled off the same trick. I
1: make a point in the book about um, corporate power yes. and the misuse of corporate power and the yeah. influence it has on politics and society. Yes. How do you see the Trump presidency dealing with this? Or do you, does it just get worse? I think, that the Trump,
2: I think that Trump may reach a point when he thinks that he needs to run against the swamp again uh, and to be, to as it were, re- revive himself as the, uh, an outsider. So for the moment, he's basically given up on, the, on draining the swamp. So he's appointed a, a Supreme Court Justice who will make it less likely yeah. that Citizens United, the campaign finance decision will be reversed. He's uh, basically appointed billionaires, he's uh, sucking up to business uh, everywhere, every way. Um, But that could change. And uh, I think that he actually is in a position where he could be a Theodore Roosevelt type if he suddenly decides it's in his interest and take on corporate power in the way that Theodore Roosevelt took on Standard Oil.
3: You argue that in terms of (coughs) of the abuse of corporate power and and the capture of the political system by uh, by big companies was most extreme in terms of the financial sector Uh, and what happened to regulation in the run up to the to the crisis. Um, uh, but you, and you take a, a very tough and, and skeptical view of the regulatory response yeah. to the crisis and say that, in fact, there hasn't been a great improvement in the, in the systemic stability of the banking system despite everything that's happened, which is quite striking given last week's comments from the governor of the Bank of England, pointing out that um, the capital requirements for b- big banks have risen tenfold since the crisis, and and uh, they regulators believe they are tackling the shadow banking uh, threat that you identified. The speech
2: by Andy Haldane, the chief economist of the Bank, that I cite in mm. the book. I, I, I described this as uh, large parts of the international banking system were what he called uncharted territory. And that that means that they're not getting a grip of shadow banking. They might be getting a grip of the idea that they should get a grip, but they just don't know. They don't have the information. Uh, secondly, I think that, that uh, banks have rem- remain far too big for, to fail. So that uh, while there's been a lot of attempt to try to improve their conduct, uh, I don't think that there's been a lot of uh, attempt to or A lot of success in uh actually grappling with the fact that they simply are are going to always expect to be rescued um, at a very very high you know at a very high cost to the taxpayer yeah. and that that shapes then their incentives to uh, to misbehave so uh, and and that is because it, uh, I think since the crisis governments have felt uh, trapped between the need to get bank lending. Going again, mm. and um, the desire to punish the banks, mm. uh, and I would hope, you know, I, if one had one's kind of ideal, that uh, now that economies are actually stable, getting better, that this might be the time to revisit that and to produce a more long-term.
3: Do you t- see that happening? D- well, the, I, I think well, the contrary is happening. Yes, not, no, not it, just in America, but in, in Europe. Yeah, I agree. Too. I agree. So uh, that's a rather um, un. Uh, unsettling prospect
2: yes no I agree I think it, it, it's it's
1: brewing up the next problems
0: and now is Europe stuck
1: what about the political systems in Europe what about um, the state of the EU where you've got different forms of government and that everybody seems to be doing pretty poorly at the moment or perhaps I'm being too pessimistic
2: well what the, yes I think that the uh, problem of European performance as you put it is uh one of um overly rigid markets mm-hmm. and uh and and economic systems combined with fiscal restraints of you mean world. it's not
1: anglo saxon enough as the uh, as the French might put it.
2: I would say it's not scandinavian enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, um,
1: you mentioned Sweden as an example of a country that
2: has turned around but, but it has turned around but yeah. it, in particular it's it 's got a new balance between uh
1: Open markets. And Carl like. built often writes for Project Syndicate. He's he very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I would call it the Spotify <laughs> economy. <laughs> <laughs> Christoph, <laughs>
4: um, I found it very interesting that you you singled out um, Switzerland and Sweden as who do the Houdini yeah. thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> who we'll get out of the uh, circumstances. Why didn't you take Germany in? I
2: could, well, first of all, I could have taken others. I think I could have taken Canada. Mm-hmm. I could have probably taken New Zealand, but it was a bit far to travel to do the research. <laughs> 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 um, now, Germany, I think I could have probably included more mm-hmm. on. I think that um, Germany's situation was, though, quite sui generous in terms of the, the burden of unification, and I thought, mm-hmm. actually, maybe okay. this isn't quite the right story. Um, and, uh, but I, I think... Germany does show some parts of, of, of this this kind of self-transformation
4: capability. Mm-hmm. Might it be a question of, of size as well? Could that be a reason that uh, Switzerland and, Switzerland, and, and, and Sweden, yes. and Sweden I do ser- better than...
2: I certainly think there are some advantages in being small and relatively mm. coherent. Mm. I mean, clearly one can't take it too far. Greece mm. is a case of a yeah. small is ugly um situation <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and there are others so i uh, but i do think that there are clearly some advantages it's harder harder in a in a large more less homogeneous uh, society and less homogeneous economy now you can make some counter arguments which is that in a in a place like the united states you 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 can have more variation in, in, mm-hmm. in success and then people moving from one place to another. And that's, in some degree, the argument for the European Union. Sure. well, the, I mean, If you market. take the
1: European Union, yes. the, the, sort of the wave of populism, which seems to have um, carried on some time, until you get the Dutch elections, which seem to stop that wave, arguably. And now I you would have, disagree.
2: I don't think it uh, has stopped the wave. But uh, yeah. How about
1: Macron? Do you think Macron in France, if he gets the presidency, is that also... A barrier against this tide of I think populism that the only thing that
2: will stop the wave completely will be results, and mm. we'll, uh, not a be better economy. results, but but better economy and more uh, secure and societies. So Macron, yeah. of course, if he wins on March the seventh or May the seventh, and if he then forms a majority, yes, of course, the populism in France we won't talk about it for a while. Yeah, but if he then does a repeats, François Hollande's. Um, what's going to
1: happen in five years (laughs) time it has to be said Uh, that that the latest figures in the eurozone are much more positive yes no it's uh, it's, we're in 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 an upturn but let's talk about brexit for a bit i mean yeah i imagine that this is going to dominate not just the british political debate but the whole eu uh political debate for the next couple of years how do you i mean theresa may talks about you know britain being more Globally open to the whole world, but I mean one could argue that actually It's the reverse. She's we're getting into a sort of a uh, an insular uh, uh, frame of mind for Britain.
2: I think uh, uh, That Brexit is not going to dominate the the EU debate uh, The fact is that we Brits should realize it's not all about us um, Basically, it's going to dominate <laughs> our debate and that's a that's a tragedy that we are going to be obsessed by this uh, and dominated by this act of political self-indulgence that Brexit consists of uh, for years to come. Presumably, Marine Le Pen wanted. will try to make it the number one with the Frexit. Well, she'll try to make Frexit yeah. her number one subject. As uh, uh, in yeah. the Five Star Movement in Italy, if yeah. they were yeah. to get to power, they would make yeah. a, a potential exit yeah. from the Euro-Ital exit. The main subject, yeah.
3: In the book, you, I think perhaps the, the European Union comes off quite lightly in terms of the, the threats to or the challenges we've seen to both openness and political equality over the last decade or two. Um, arguably, the EU has not been a paragon of openness in terms of the rest of the world, trading and so forth. And if you look at the, the question of whether people feel they have a voice, the number of times that the EU has dismissed quite, Um, loud uh, voices from particular countries and just moved the goalpost and and walked on.
2: Well I think that um, what we mean by the EU is the way in which national governments uh, make decisions together. So I think that the EU as as an entity doesn't exist anymore essentially uh, to my view. I think it's basically the way the conclave of national governments and how they operate. So the problem has often been that national governments have got together and decided either to ignore or to circumvent decisions in one country, Um, most most notably the French and Dutch uh, rejections Mm. of the the constitution in 2005. Um, So national governments are the question. The uh, inability to really have a coherent response to the migrant crisis, the euro crisis which has essentially been a question of constantly kicking the can down the road Mm. and, and, and muddling through and not really providing any blueprint cannot be the sustainable model for the European Union. So whether Macron wins or not, uh, the EU cannot, I think, expect to be continued in its current form in 10 years' time
1: if it continues yeah. on, this, on this behavior.
0: And our last section, Emmett, the Optimist?
1: I want to co- quote some wonderful alliteration from your, one of your final chapters. I was afraid that you were going to find a mistake. Or a, no, a no, mistake. no, 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 demoralized, <laughs> decadent, Deflating, demographically challenged, divided, disintegrating, dysfunctional, declining. That, you say, is the state of the West. I mean, you all, that's what I'm quoting from yes. your book now. Um, despite all that, are you still an optimist or are you really quite a pessimist about the fate of the West?
2: No, I'm an optimist. I think uh, that. Despite
1: these um, adjectives, the D, the D words. words. Yes.
2: Yeah, I followed them with the sentence which says that is the view of the that is yes of, the, of the detractors. True. <laughs> so I'm reporting. If you're right, Okay. Uh, so no, I am an optimist. I am an optimist. I do think that uh, we can. We are resilient, first of all, mm-hmm. and that we have the capacity to to find new new solutions and new ways through. Not to some new golden age or sunlit uplands of perfection, but rather that we can find at least uh, better.
1: Periods ahead, um, out of uh, out of this. But area. I mean, if you look at the strongmen, yes, uh, at the moment, you could yes. argue that actually they're the ones who are taking the West away from those sunlit uplands. I don't think that. Well, I, I mean,
2: you mean Putin is interfering with elections? Well, Erdogan. Um, well, they're taking their own countries away yeah. from away from this, mm. from liberal democracy, yeah. but they're not taking the West away. Trump. They, Trump is is uh, if you like. The, it is the
1: biggest economy in
2: the world. Yeah, no, no, no. Trump is maybe not the test on a test case. Trump is the test basis, case. Yeah. yeah. No, Trump is the test case, uh, as Le Pen would be in France. Theresa May. Uh, uh, Th- Theresa May is a is a liberal demo- is a liberal de- democrat. I mean, she is uh, an open Britain person. I think. Right. I think she's you know, no doubt going to do all sorts of things that I would disagree with, but they are within the range of of, of what I would see as being <laughs> as it were liberal <laughs> acceptable things to disagree with. Whereas Trump could end up doing some things that would be seriously damaging. I think that the, resi- the American institutions, combined with his own incompetence, are actually <laughs> going to prevent him. But that's a rather early judgment to make after 100 days. So in Trump we trust? In Trump's uh, incompetence we trust, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, now, that's. That doesn't want to be too kind of uh, sanguine and uh, and, and flippant about it, I think that there are still some serious dangers ahead. And, yep. uh, and, and I don't think
1: that we should write off Marine Le Pen yet. Yeah. Well, Bill, it's a terrific book. Thank you very much for being with us in Project Syndicate and PS On Air. And thank you very much for Christoph Vinder mm-hmm. from The Standard and David Whitem from Financial News. Thank you, all of us. And thank you so much, Bill. Thank Excellent. you,
3: John.
0: Thanks for listening to PS Voice. Go beyond the news with Project Syndicate by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and by reading our greatest minds at www.project-syndicate.org.